we've been in the book of First John uh, for a while now, and uh, we've been cruising through, and we are about to come to a really critical um, place in the text, a place that actually tells us a lot about maybe what was going on um, in the church when John was writing, stuff I've alluded to uh, over the past few weeks, but also... Um, some stuff that's uh, a little bit, it might be a little shocking or a little wacky. It feels like it almost comes out of left field when we read it. Um, so just be aware that that's going to happen. But we're going we're gonna to tackle it together, and I think um, we'll get to see some important things. Namely, um, I don't know if any of you are like me, but uh, there are times in my life where I feel like um, I've been uh, blindsided by life. Uh, where, you know, I had my understanding of, of what was important, of where I was headed, of what was going to happen, and then um, out of nowhere, like a bus comes and just, and just changed everything. When I was in the fourth grade, um, I was going to school with uh, my next door neighbors, Jeff and Scott, and our friends up uh, the street, Steve and Jen, um, and we had this great school. Um, my dad was, was a principal there, um, and uh, my next door neighbor, Kathy, was an aide there. And uh, I, I loved going to school every morning in the, in the carpool with my friends that I love so deeply. And I just loved that place. Uh, it was a wonderful place. And um, one night in the fourth grade, uh, my parents took me out to Denny's, uh, which was a big deal. You know, you don't, you don't go to Denny's for just anything. It's a, special, it's a special time in the Bennett household. I think the Denny's we went to has been since destroyed. Um, but we did go to Denny's. I remember that clearly. And uh, we were having a a great family meal, and my dad, he said, Tom, we, we've got some news. I'm like, oh, okay, I like news. Um, is Brett Butler still doing well for the Dodgers? That, that would be good news. I like that. He's like, yeah, I, uh, I, I took a new job. I was like, oh, okay, great. That's uh, good for you. Um, I hope that that really works out for you. And, uh, and it's at a different school. I'm like, oh, well, there's so many schools in the world. That's wonderful. I think that you're going to be really successful there, and you're coming with me. Now, I, I'm ashamed to admit that uh, in the fourth grade, I threw a full-blown tantrum in the middle of Denny's. Uh, I was actually, yeah, I was exiled to the bathroom by my father, um, where I was screaming and kicking and crying, um, because, you know, change wasn't something that I was really into anyway, uh, but certainly not change that took me away uh, from the people that I loved. And I didn't see this coming. There were no hints. There was no indication that this was going to be the case. It's just I went out to dinner, and we went to Denny's, and suddenly my world got turned upside down. And maybe something like that has happened to you. Maybe you responded the way I did. I didn't go back to Denny's for 15 years. <laughs> True fact. And then when I went back, I was like, oh, it was a terrible idea. I should have stayed away. They had this, uh, they had this sandwich there. It was, it was two piece, three pieces of French toast with uh, fried eggs and ham and bacon and sausage um, with maple syrup, 3,600 calories. And I, I tried it, and wow, what a mistake that was. Um, it, it stayed with me for days. Uh, life comes at us, and um, it, it does, and, it, and it, it can blindside us. And we might be wondering, we might be the kind of people who are like, hey, is there a way to be ready? Is there a way to avoid this? Is there a way that we can, can get in, the, in and, and lay down some measures, some ways of protection so that we won't get blindsided by life? The bad news is, um, in a lot of cases, no. I'll just answer it right up front. There are some things we just can't prepare for. It's just life just comes at you, and, and it's how we deal with it, and it's how we respond to it um, that, that brings out our faith. But, but there are some 
parts of life that, that, that can come, and there are ways that we can prepare, that we can be ready for them. And I want you to keep that in the back of your mind, that question, as we encounter this text. When you first see it, you're going to be like, no, nah, that has nothing to do with what he's talking about. But I promise you it does. And if you stay with me, um, I, think, I think we're going to actually get some really practical um, things that we can to, uh, do today. Um, so let's, let's look at it first, John. Uh, this is a pretty extensive section. I'm going to go ahead and read um, 18 to 24. We're really only dealing with 18 and 19 today, but this, uh, this whole section is, um, is pretty interesting, and I, and I hope that you'll uh, be with us for the three weeks that we're um, dealing with it, because it's a really fascinating text. John, uh, this is my translation. Um, all the text is in the back of your note sheets. Um, but this, uh, if, if, yeah, it, yeah. So I've just tried to smooth it out for English. But John says, little children, this is the final hour. And as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. Yet even now, many Antichrists have come, which is why we know that this is the final hour. They left us, but they were never really with us. For if they were truly ours, then they would have stayed with us. But their leaving made it plain that none of them were really ours. Look, you have the Holy Spirit's anointing, so you're in the know. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because you also know that no lie originates in the truth. Who's a liar? Well, I'll tell you. Anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is the Antichrist, the one who refuses to acknowledge the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but the one who acknowledges the Son has the Father too. Make sure what you heard from the beginning stays with you. If what you heard from the beginning stays with you, then you will stay with both the Son and the Father. Man, out of left field. Are you kidding me? Talk about a change. I mean, we've been talking about love. We've been talking about all kinds of things. And then, and then out of nowhere, John goes, hey, by the way, I know you guys have heard, Antichrist is coming. Now, if you're uh, new to church, uh, you're like, what? Um, and if you've been at church for a long time, you're like, uh, I think I've heard some stuff about that. Like there's this, uh, you know, enemy of... Of Jesus, who comes at like the end of t- end of days or something, and um, and maybe he uh, is related to the the enemy. Uh, but but really, it's very very strange. And I want to let you know that um, probably in the background, kind of what's going on historically, is that um, from the very beginning of the church, right? Once the Spirit descends on the church and people begin going out and spreading the the news of Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit has been encouraging uh, words of, of, of knowledge and prophecy uh, within the church. And so lots of people from all over have been getting words about what's going to happen at the end, what's happening now, and, and shaping the world. And, and one of the things that they've been talking about is that there is an enemy that this, this isn't, we're not, this isn't just fun times, it's not just victory, but actually at the end of days there's going to be an enemy who's going to come and he's going to fight, who's going to go against us. Um, and so I'd like to just show you um, a couple of, of texts uh, about, about this. Um, this is from Paul. This is Second Thessalonians, probably written quite a bit earlier than our text in First John. Um, but listen to what Paul says. He's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and they've heard about some stuff, but they're not sure. And so they, they've heard some prophecy from some people, and so they, they send out to Paul and say, Paul, can you clarify this? And he says, um, at the end of the days, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all powers, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Well, you'll notice that whoever this lawless one is, it's not the enemy, it's not the devil, uh, because he, he comes with the power of Satan. Um, so it's like maybe, you know, Satan's kind of like um, the, uh, if you think of the Trinity, you think of the Father, Satan's kind of like the anti-father, right? 
Um, and, then, and then he's sending this one who's going to do his will, um, almost like an anti-Christ or anti-Jesus, right? And he's going to come with all these powers and signs and lying wonders, just as Jesus did, but, but a pseudo kind of, uh, uh, of wonders, a pseudo kind of fake kind of uh, a power that, 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 that deceives so this is early on, Paul, uh, Paul is teaching this. He's probably received some revelation, and he probably knows people who have. And so he shares this with the Thessalonians. Um, later, probably after our text, we have the book of Revelation. And uh, John um, actually kind of formalizes it in a way, what we can expect at the end of days. Uh, this is the anti-trinity. This is the first member of the anti-trinity, the dragon. He says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Um, John's going to go on to tell that this dragon, the Satan, is going to have power at the end, at the end of days. And, and, and you'll notice uh, the dragon, right? A dragon is kind of like a, a really, really big snake. So he calls him the serpent of old, referring to the Garden of Eden, where the enemy has been um, a part of, of our story the entire way. And, and now he, he's got some designs, some, some concerns. Things are going to happen at the end of days. Um, he's not the only one, though. Uh, there's not just the dragon. There's um, also the beast of the sea. And I remember we've got this man of lawlessness. Uh, if you're confused, don't worry about it. That's probably how the early church felt. That's okay. Um, this is uh, another character that's going to be participating at the end of days. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, remember Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. We might hear a little bit of that man of lawlessness, right? Um, you know, he has power, he's got authority. Uh, it goes on, um, John continues, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Wow, he was wounded, and then, and then he came back almost like a resurrection, but, but not a complete resurrection, kind of a fake resurrection, a pseudo-resurrection, almost as if he's kind of a fake or, or anti-Christ. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who's like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? Because it seems like when you hurt him, he just comes back. And just to confuse things further, there's another beast. Now, again, a beast, not probably literally a leopard lion thing. Uh, John's using colorful language, a lot of it drawn from the Old Testament, probably referring to like a person, a human being, right? And this human being is empowered by uh, Satan to be almost like an antichrist. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the first beast, uh, he, gets, he gets fixed up. He's almost like resurrected. And then um, he, he gives power to a, a second beast who comes. And the second beast is another person who then testifies to the first beast, almost like, um, like an anti-spirit. Of, of, of Christ, because uh, Christ gives the spirit to the church who leads us into all truth. The beast gives us the, the anti-spirit, uh, the beast of the earth, who leads us into all deception. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven and on the earth in the sight of men. He noticed that uh, just, like, um, just like the Holy Spirit, signs are, are, are done in his name and by his power. 
except that they're fake, that they're wrong, they're evil, they're deceptive. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by these signs which he has granted to do, he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Yeah, okay. Uh, if, so imagine, just imagine, imagine that this is what you're hearing, right? You're like in the early church, and there's whispers of beasts and, and dragons, and um, there's antichrists and man of lawlessness, and uh, later on, this beast of the earth is going to be called the false prophet. Later on, the beast of the sea is going to be called the king. There's just all this stuff going on. And you keep hearing about it. And what you keep hearing over and over is that when this happens, it's going to be really, really bad. It's going to be almost like the power, the healing power of Christ who comes in the name of the Father and who is empowered by the Spirit, only it's going to be twisted and it's going to be evil. There's going to be war. There's going to be death. There's going to be horror in the world. And you're trying to make sense of all that. Well, I'll just give you, I mean, the dragon, that's Satan. It's in your note sheets. The beast of the sea, that's the king or um, the, I, I would say the Antichrist. I'll walk that back in a little bit in just a second. And the beast of the earth, that's the false prophet, the, um, the, the I say the anti-spirit. You could even, even say like anti-father, anti-Christ, anti-spirit. Make up an anti-trinity of sorts. John, Paul, and others have warned the church that one of the beasts is anti-Christ, lawless one. Now, I'm not an expert on eschatology. Eschatology is like what happens at the end of, the, of history. I don't, I'm, I'm not an expert. I, um, I tend to think uh, that, that Satan is the anti-father, the king is the antichrist, beast of the sea, and uh, the false prophet is uh, the anti-spirit. There are people who disagree with me. And instead of giving you the true answer right now, I'm going to say, hey, you should read this book uh, by St. Hodges, a great friend of our church. He disagrees with me, but he does a great job of presenting it. Um, and you know what? If you're interested, if it's like... Imagine, right? So you're the early church, and you start to hear this. Can you imagine? People are going to be obsessed. They're going to start to really want to know what the story is, right? They're really going to want to know, what's the deal? Is, is this all true? When's it happening? What does it look like? And if, and if you're similar, if you, if you have that desire, I would strongly recommend that if there's one person here who's like stoked and really wants to dig in deep on this stuff, Come to me, talk to me. Let's start a small group in the fall where we can talk about final things, last things, um, and, and we, can, we can dig deep and see the different theories, the different ways that Revelation gets worked out. But for right now, for right now, I want you to just maybe just go with me. All right, sure, there's this you know, anti-father, anti-Christ, anti-spirit, and all this is happening, and there's all these whispers, and you're a Christian, and you start to get really, really worried because it sounds like some bad stuff is coming down the pike. And not only that, but it sounds like that bad stuff is happening really, really soon. Let's go back to our, our, our first text. Um, little children, this is the final hour. The last hour is here. And as you've heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. That's why we know this is the final hour. Friends, it's right here. It's happening right now. That's how it sounds. And you can imagine what it must have been like. You can imagine people being like absolutely focused, wondering when is this coming down? Who is this guy? In fact, probably a lot of speculation. Who's the Antichrist? Is it Nero? Is it, is it Nero the emperor? He seems like he hates us. Is it somebody we haven't seen yet? Where is he coming from? What's he like? In fact, that starts to crowd out everything else people are thinking about because it's the last hour. It's impending. It's now, except it's not. Because when... The word aura or hour gets used in John's, um, in John's writings. It doesn't mean, you know, because it sounds like, you read it, it sounds like it's like 1159. 
And at 12, the carriage is going to turn back into a pumpkin. Um, the guardsmen are going to turn back into frogs or whatever. And Cinderella's dress is going to become tatters. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like we're right there. But if you look, if you look at the way John uses this word, the hour is coming, and now this is Jesus in the gospel. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for Father, the Father is seeking such to worship him. The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. When did that happen? Well, I think it started about maybe a little over 2,000 years ago, and it's continuing even here, because presumably we are people who worship in spirit and truth. And so the, the hour, when he says the hour, he's not talking about 60 minutes. He, he's talking about kind of like a 2,000 plus, maybe who knows how long this, this period is going to be where, where people are doing this because they have uh, the spirit. And so they worship in spirit and truth. Uh, here's another example of hour in John. Therefore, they sought to take him, Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not come. This hour, depending on how you, this is the hour of, uh, it's talking about Jesus' death, his crucifixion and resurrection. Well, that hour is kind of long, kind of short. Compared to the 2,000 plus year one, this one's only like maybe six hours, maybe a couple days, depending on how you judge the, the hour of Jesus' suffering and trial and crucifixion. The point being that hours, we don't know when they are, when they're coming, and we don't know how long they last in John. They're indeterminate. This is the second thing on your note sheets. John uses the word hour to indicate a period of indeterminate length set aside for a particular action or actions in history. Indeterminate length. And, and, we, and sometimes in the church we call these dispensations. There's times when God acts in different ways, and John calls these things hours, and John says in our text, let's look at it again. This is the final hour, and Antichrist is coming. Yet even now, many Antichrists have come. So all the people are like, uh, when's this Antichrist coming? Is it Nero? Is it so and so? Sometimes I wonder, I wonder if John's maybe just being a little bit almost kind of like, hey guys, have you noticed something that just happened? Uh, I think, do I have the, is the video, do we have a video? Is it not yet? It's from the movie The Blind Side. It stars Sandra Bullock. It's an awesome movie. Okay, I'll just keep going, and whenever, whenever you feel like you got it, you just, just put it on, and I'll just shut up. <laughs> well, if you look at the text, um, it says, uh, which uh, yet now many antichrists have come. It's on the back of your note sheets. Yet now many antichrists have come. You know, you church, you've been super focused on this big antichrist, this enemy, this 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 guy who's come. Maybe he's the lawless one. He's the beast of something. You've all been freaking out about it. You've been worrying about it. You you you've been running all around trying to figure out who it is and what he's going to do. And at the whole time, you've missed. You've missed that something's been going on. Something that you're not aware of. You notice that many antichrists are now with you. Is this one going to work? Mom, I love you. Sandra Bullock, her beautiful southern accent.
If you read that book, um, the movie's based on a book, uh, The Blind Side. It's cool. The movie is all about Michael Orr, who is, I think he's still playing. He's left guard, I think, with the Ravens. Um, but the, the book actually alternates chapters where they give a, ch- a chapter that's on like the theory and the, and the history and the evolution of football, and then uh, a chapter about Michael Orr and, and, and his story. Um, and it's so fascinating when you, when you hear how football has changed. It's all changed because um, it starts out where, you know, it's a kind of a run game. It was really boring in the 70s where it just like you just, all you did was hand off the ball and, and there's a collision and then they move three yards and repeat, repeat, repeat. And then the Chicago Bears win the Super Bowl. Well, Bill Belichick comes along and changes the game of football, turns it into a pass game, all right? Turns it into a pass game because of tightly um, coordinated routes and makes it so that the ideal quarterback becomes a drop-back passer. So he takes the ball, he drops back, and he counts because he knows he has four options, and he's looking for which one he's going to go to, and then he makes his throw. What this does is it changes the, uh, the, the value of a good running back, or uh, I'm sorry, a good linebacker or a good um, defensive tackle. Because if these guys can get to the quarterback, they can wreck everything. They can destroy everything. And you noticed in that clip, that, that key line is when Sandra Bullock tells us that Joe Theismann, up to this point, everything in uh, the play has been uh, you know, dominated or, or, or covered by what Joe Theismann sees. And right now at this moment, it's going, to be, it's going to be determined, it's going to be fixed by what he doesn't see. And what he doesn't see is someone coming at him from the blind side. Why? Well, Joe Theismann is one of these, these, these new quarterbacks where he's, well, not new, but he's now changing the game of football. It's all about the pass game. So what is he doing? He's looking downfield. 
He's looking for the win, the goal. He's looking for what's, what's in the future. He's looking for what's coming that's going to su- help his team succeed. He's looking to the future for what he is con- most concerned about. And because he does that, because he does that, he doesn't see what's right next to him. He gets hit from the blind side because he's looking so far downfield. Listen to the text here. Listen to this. Little children, this is the final hour, and as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. Yet, hey, guys, have you noticed? Even now, many Antichrists have come, which is why we know this is the final hour. Then what does he say? These Antichrists, they left us, but they were never really with us. If they were truly ours, they would have stayed with us, but their leaving made it clear, made it plain that they weren't ours. Friends, you are, you've been running around with your heads caught in the clouds trying to figure out who this Antichrist is. You're so worried about the beast of the earth and the sea and the dragon and the man of lawlessness. You're so focused on that. You're so focused on You didn't notice when right next to you, in your midst, people grew up who have dramatically destroyed the church. Right now, in John's telling, the churches in Ephesus have been split. They have been run roughshod. The reason he's probably writing this letter is to encourage people, say, hey, don't give up. It's going to be okay. Why? Because a whole group of people have been born right in the midst of the church who, who deny there. We'll talk more about what makes an antichrist an antichrist in, in the coming weeks. But they, I, I can tell you this. They, they've, they've caused heresy to come up in the church. They've been telling lies and falsehoods and they've been deceiving people and moving them to the side. And they've been, been, been trying to, 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 to get away from the apostles' teaching, from John's teaching, from Paul's teaching, and, and towards other bizarre new doctrines. Been, been wrecking the church entirely. And this all happened while John and everyone else were just thinking everything's fine. Worrying so much about the impending Antichrist that they don't even see the split and the destruction that's in their midst. And now we know, now John says, now you can see they left us. They weren't even ever a part of us. Teaching these, these wild fantasies. And yet, in, their, in so doing, they, they drew many astray. They, in fact, probably began um, the, the kind of counter-Christian movements, the Gnostics and the Docetic movements, that would have been um, the, the problems that the church was dealing with for 200 years after this. Two centuries of strife and confusion in the churches, all because, all because, in this church, people weren't checking their blind side. It was unguarded. They were focused on what was down the way. They were focused on what's coming next. They were looking downfield. And as a result, they did not see the danger at their side. That's the last thing on your note sheets. Don't be caught looking downfield when the danger is at your side. It's funny, in the, in the clip, um, Sandra Bullock tells us, and, and this is true, that, that because the quarterback is like, has to be focused on, on winning the game and on the mission, what NFL teams have done is they've, they've put a lot of value in the guy that protects the blind side. They've, they've searched and they've found, they've found the one guy who can keep the quarterback safe, who's fast enough, <laughs> wide butt, long arms. Dances like I think at one point they say that Michael Orr moves like a ballerina or something. It's like it's like oh, but but his his ability to move and, and protect and stop even the most rabid, even the most dangerous, even the most cunning linebackers and tackles. That's that's what you need. 
You need to have in your church and in your community and in your life, you've got to have someone guarding your blind side. And in some ways, that person needs to be you a little bit. It needs to be us. Instead of being so focused on what's coming and what's out there and, and, and what could be things we have no control over, maybe we need to take stock of things in our lives that might be our blind side. I, uh, I have a, a few ideas um, for guarding our blind side. And this is what I w- really want to take away um, today. Uh, to think deeply about our blind sides in our lives um, with your spouses or your friends. Um, think about where you're vulnerable. Because what you, what you're, we, the blind side, the, the, the characteristic of the blind side is it, it takes your eyes off of what's important now, right? Uh, for example, some people like to get obsessed with politics. That's cool. But I submit to you, you don't have a lot of power or control over what, you know, Trump or Obama or whomever does, right? You, you can't do much. But it's really fun to, like, click on the drudgery report. That's the best. I refresh it, like, four or five times a day. It's, the, it's amazing. Never know what that guy's going to say next. Uh, but by doing that, I'm distracted from other things. Namely, for, you know, the present mission at the church. See, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm this kind of guy. I'm, like, the kind of guy who's like, oh, I can't wait for the, what's next. I'm always thinking about the future. Um, I, I, right now, I am constantly thinking about what Coast is going to be like in, uh, in 2022. That is going to be an awesome year. Uh, it's five years from now, and I, I'd just love to tell you what it's going to be like. Um, I have this vision of, like, you know, new chandeliers darken the ceiling with, like, uh, some, you know, like a darker stain. Maybe you get some uh, darker uh, colors that replace the pews a little bit, some brand new lights and sounds. Uh, I'm, I'm just imagining all the people who are going to come, who are going to be blessed by our ministry, who are, whose lives are going to be changed. Um, speaking of which, how cool, again, are these amazing lights— uh, how, how, how good it looks up here. Thank you, Jeannie. And while I'm on that, um, it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, I just want to take a second here to just change lanes for a minute. Um, when 9-11 happened, uh, a number of friends and I uh, talked about you know, joining the military. I didn't, um, but I have friends who did. Uh, who still to this day bury the scars of their service because um, we've been at war for about 15 years now. Um, Memorial Day is a time that we set aside in our country to remember the sacrifice of those who have given everything. Um, I know two people from our church that I can think of instantly who are friends of mine who, um, who carry wounds, and, and they were the lucky ones. Uh, there are those who... Um, are in wheelchairs, or those who never came home uh, to their families. I would entreat you, I would ask you, please, at some point today or tomorrow, set aside some time to be grateful and to honor uh, the fallen dead. Um, I know that Scott uh, Roberts is involved in the Wounded Warrior Project. Um, if you're moved, you could probably talk to him about that. Um, but please, do not, um, do not go lightly uh, through this weekend. Okay back to the lane. I'm always thinking about the future of the church. I'm like, uh, and, and as a result, as a result, I, it's very possible for me to miss like the basic stuff of what I got to be doing now, caring and loving you, walking through life with you, being attentive to your needs, focusing deeply on the scriptures and good, solid doctrine, making sure we don't get off the path because I'm all off over here. 
And, and maybe it's similar for you. You're thinking about where the church could go or, or you're thinking about what's, what's next. And, and don't forget in the midst of that to look at what's right next to you. And, and to make sure that we're healthy and strong because, man, if John's church is any indication, things can go really badly, really quickly if we don't. Uh, another one, your present, present mission um, with your family. Uh, man, I cannot wait till those girls go to college. What an awesome day that will be. Um, my parents joked when I, um, when I went to college, they were finally able to, quote, walk around naked again. Yeah, terrible. Um, <laughs> don't let that hear this message. Uh, but I understand that. I understand that um, because now, you know, I'm, I, it's like, no, honey, you can't come in. I'm going to the bathroom. And I, no, that's not how this works. And that's a real thing. I can't wait to the... My problem is, is that I'm thinking about 18 years from now when the house is quiet, all is well. And I'm wondering if maybe that is keeping me from focusing on my mission right now with my family to raise up kids in godly um, admonition and fear of the Lord, to protect my marriage, and to think deeply about how I can make sure Aaron is cherished and cared for in a way that fulfills her. Because I'm off in the, the weeds looking at something I have no control over that's way out in the future. I'm worried that maybe I'm exposing my blind side to my family right now. And maybe you experience something similar. Uh, another one, your present mission in your personal life. Uh, man, that inter- internet pornography is real. Boy, that social media is real. I know, you guys get mad at me for harping on social media because you love it. But man, I'm telling you, that stuff is dangerous. And, and you have no control over what pops up on your, you know, your feed. You just, it just comes and, and you find you have a long, hard day at work and, and it's time to get home and to relax. And you just start flipping through and, and you're exhausted and you're exhausted. And pretty soon you realize you feel terrible about yourself. That you're missing out and everyone else's life is better. Because of what you saw there. And as a result, you're, um, you're off track. Your, your personal holiness is in danger because you were out there looking for the next thing, the thing that you have no control over. And the stuff that you do have control over, your commitment to Scripture, your commitment to the community of God, the commitment to your personal holiness, gets lost, gets tripped up because you got hit from the blind side. Um, your present mission at work. You know, man, I... I I'm sitting in that office, and I'm like, I could translate this from the Greek, but I would rather think about buying something on Amazon. Because wow, Jeff Bezos, that guy's taken over the world. What a stud. I think he's worth, like, billions now. I mean, the guy, I think he's, like, the richest man in the world. And rightly so, because Amazon's the best deal going. Like, that Prime, what, wow. What a, I can't believe he came up with that. I, I gladly give him my money. But I'm wondering... <laughs> If, um, because I'm, I'm thinking about the, the newest record that I can get or the, the next, um, you know, thing to put in the backyard or whatever it is, because I'm there, I'm not present, I'm not here. And if, you know, Jeannie or Colleen comes in and catches me on Amazon.com, I could get fired. I could lose it. I could lose it all. They'd be like, what are you doing? I, because I, I, I'm, I'm off in a, in a place that, that's not here. It's not present. It's not concerned about your needs and about being here with you. Instead, I'm concerned about whatever I got going. And, and suddenly, my blind side's exposed. Your present mission in service or ministry. It's easy to get your eyes off the prize. 
whatever you're, whatever it is that God's called you to, um, we, the, you know, we have so many different ministries we participate in, so much mission, and, and whatever you're called to, you know, it, it, it's easy to stop putting the pedal to the metal, to stop being engaged, to stop because you want to think about whatever else. And suddenly, your ministry, your service is lost. The one thing about your life that's eternal, that matters, because your blind side's exposed. And the last um, is your leisure time. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're all pretty busy. This Orange County lifestyle is uh, a little bit hectic, a little bit nuts. And that's real easy for us to, uh, to you know, we, we, we squirrel away, we fritter away the time that we have to be at peace and to be at rest because we're so focused on the next thing that we've got to get done. And, and that time that we really are supposed to recharge and, and to be, to be you know, healed from the, the work and the, and the life and the family, that time we lose it. And it's gone. And as a result, we're beat up. We can't focus. We can't get the stuff that we need to get done done. The bottom line, uh, friends, is that um, just as the early church was so focused on the Antichrist that they missed the Antichrists in their midst, we too, um, we too are looking downfield. We too are so easily caught up in what's next or it's this abstract thing or this or that or whatever and we lose contact with the mission now. We leave our blindside exposed. This week, think about your blindside with your friends, your family, whomever and, and commit. What is it that's out there that you have no control over, that you obsess, that you spend all this time with, that you're focused on, focused on and it's allowing these things to grow up around you. Find out what that is. And commit to shrinking it, to guard it, to protect it. Get your Michael Orr. Get your protection for your blind side. And then next week, we'll talk about what uh, the Antichrists were like. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we, uh, we thank you for the blood of your Son. Jesus, who gives us life, who... Uh, is going to win, Jesus who will not fail, who will not be defeated by uh, the Antichrist, the men of lawlessness. God, we confess that we're people who are looking downfield, people who are caught up um, in things that we can't control, in things that divert our eyes from where we need to be, and we allow our blind side to be exposed. God, send your spirit in a powerful way to, to show us uh, where that is in our lives. Um, that we could just be attentive to it, to recognize it, to shrink it, and to be called again, to be present um, to your calling on, on our lives. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.